You are listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Presbyterian Church in Winston-Salem. Thanks for listening. To learn more about our church, visit salempresws.org. That's salempresws.org. We believe preaching is best when experienced as part of the larger drama of God's people gathering. Something spiritually unique happens when God's people are together. We meet each Sunday to let the liturgy shape us, to hear preaching, and to take the Lord's Supper. And these acts are more robust when done together. Join us Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. in downtown Winston-Salem at 600 Holly Avenue. I'm Rob. Uh, Ben's going to be preaching tonight on Genesis 11, 1 through 9, and 29 and 30. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version, and there are Bibles in your pews, and they'll give you a chance to find your passage on your phone or whatever you have with you. Could you please stand for the reading of the Word? Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to know to one another, come let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and mutant for mortar. Then they said, come let us build ourselves a city and, and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have one language. This is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so they may not understand one another. So the Lord dispersed them from over the face of all the earth, and they left off the building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, and because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them from all over the face of all the earth. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarah was barren. She had no child. This is the word of God for the people of God. Well, good evening. Uh, my name is Ben Milner. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, we're looking at the Jesus Storybook Bible. Um, and if you don't know that book, it is a, it is a children's Bible, so to speak. But it's really... Very profound, and um, it's so profound that I'm doing a whole sermon series out of it. And it, um, its subtitle is "Where Every Story Whispers Jesus' Name." So, what the author does, Sally Lloyd Jones, she goes through the Bible and uh, talks about how every story points uh, ultimately to Jesus. And uh, so, we're going through the Old Testament, and we're at the very beginning right now. And um, this is, of course, the story of the Tower of Babel. If you have a copy. Um, 
I would recommend you bring it uh, to church and even look at the pictures. It has really beautiful artwork. That's, that's half of what makes it so great. Um, so I would encourage you to get a copy. And uh, it's not just for children. It's for adults as well. Um, but we've already looked at the first three uh, parts of the story. So the, the very beginning is how God makes a perfect home, uh, planet Earth for human beings. And he puts two human beings um, in this place called Eden. Uh, and in that garden, he says, I want you to... Uh, be fruitful and multiply and spread throughout the earth. And as you spread, I want you to bring order to chaos. And where there's disorder, I want you to uh, bring forth life. And it's the same way that God took um, chaos and void and filled them um, with um, order and with life. So the way God showed his creativity in making everything out of nothing So Adam and Eve are also supposed to show their creativity made in God's image and bring forth order out of chaos and spread God's creativity with him around the earth. So that's the that's the big vision of the Bible is uh, the human race spreading out over the earth and spreading God's creativity in partnership with God. The problem is in the second story, human beings blow it and they decide that instead of working with God, uh, they want to do it by themselves. And so out of our human pride and arrogance uh, and presumption, we decide we don't need God, we don't trust God, we don't want God, and we're going to do it ourselves, which means that our dominion turns into domination and oppression and destruction, the way that we have done so much to destroy other people and this planet. And so um, because of the terrible lie, uh, the fall, therefore humans uh, spread out over the planet, and instead of bringing shalom and peace, uh, they bring devastation In the third story, we see that the devastation has gotten so bad that God sends a flood. And he tries, uh, he he sends the flood to wipe the planet clean of all of the violence, uh, all the the corruption and violence are the two words that are used. And uh, God sends the flood to cleanse the earth and wash away the lie. But now, uh, after many, many generations since Noah, uh, we have the Tower of Babel, where once again, it's like the pride of humanity resurfaces, you know, like a whale, kind of like Moby Dick, this whale coming up out of the ocean. Once again, uh, the human will uh, raises itself up and uh, desires to grab a hold of things. And, and the, the, the battle cry is, let us make a name for ourselves. That's the uh, anthem of the human race in chapter 11, verse 4. It's the incessant whisper of Satan, you shall be like God. You can be like God. You don't have to submit to God. You don't have to trust God. You don't have to live with God. You can do it by yourself. Uh, Human autonomy. And when you don't believe that God makes a name for you, you end up having to make a name for yourself. And that's kind of the big two points of the sermon is that um, we often try to make a name for ourselves. We build a tower to God. Uh, We build, we erect some identity of our own apart from God, and we say, look at that, that makes me important. So we try to make a name for ourselves. We build this tower to God, uh, which turns out to be nothing. It's built, um, it's like a house of cards. And, and God tears that down for our good, and he, he erects a new, uh, a new name for us. He gives us a name, and he says, I will say who you are, and I will raise you up, uh, even as I destroy this false identity. So that's the two points that... We try to make a name for ourselves. God says, no, 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 that's not going to work at all. I'm going to make a name for you. And he makes a name for us. So those two points. First of all, 
the whole earth had one language in the same words. Now, I don't know what to do with this. Um, if you're a linguist or an anthropologist, I don't know how this works. Like I said last time with the flood story, I don't know. I don't understand the details. And I can see how someone is a skeptic, as I used to be when I was an atheist. I, I would read a story like this and that this is nonsense. How could the human race all have one language? Um, and, and yet, that's what the text says, that... There was a time in, 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 in the human race where everyone spoke the same language. And, um, you know, imagine the relief of effortless communication in your mother tongue where um, you don't have to struggle so hard. If you've been to a foreign country, uh, it's, it's really exhausting to try to figure out how to communicate. And when you come back into your native land, there's this huge relief. And so you can imagine... Uh, what a great thing it was for all people to be speaking the same language. But the problem is that that only strengthened our pride and our ability to try to do things without God. And so um, it says in verse 2, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they settled there. And it's like they're trying to go back to the garden because the plain of Shinar is between two deserts on the Tigris and Euphrates River. It's this little swath of green in the midst of all this dusty, dry brown and they're trying to go into that garden and kind of seek the Garden of Eden again without God and to do it themselves. Instead of God walking with them, they want to do it themselves. And so they say, and this is the key phrase, verse 4, Come, let us build ourselves a city, lest we be dispersed. It's built out of fear that they be dispersed and scattered. And if they're scattered, they're not protected, they're vulnerable. So the desire here is instead of being spread out and easily picked off by marauding bands... Uh, let's huddle together and, and make a name for ourselves and create security, lest we be dispersed. And if you think about villages, they're, they're far more vulnerable than cities. Uh, in villages, you don't have walls. In cities, you had huge walls. And so for everybody to conglomerate together and build a, a city was a form of protection. And uh, today, we have our own form of... You know, most cities don't have a giant wall around them. They don't need walls anymore. We have... The security comes uh, kind of in emotional, economic, and cultural security. So in cities, uh, immigrants always go to cities because in the cities they find their resources. People who are in need go to cities. The vulnerable go to cities. And um, in cities you have, uh, you know, research and development happens in cities. Uh, banks are in cities. Trade occurs in cities. Uh, patents are formed in cities. There are, there's art that's created in cities. You have restaurants. Parks, inventions, museums, all these things are human beings getting together and doing something as one to, for security's sake. And by the way, urbanization in this country, uh, is, in the whole world, is growing rapidly, if you didn't know that, for this very reason. So that uh, in 1950, 30% of the world lived in cities, and today it is 55%. That's an astonishing statistic. And then in 2050, it's going to be 68% of people are going to live in cities. And the reason they're going to live in cities is, again, because of security, because it's the very thing, lest we be dispersed, so that we can build something together that's great. And in many ways, they are, they are carrying out the creation mandate, which was to spread the creativity of God around the world. They're doing the very thing God wanted them to do, but now uh, it's become a terrible thing because of our pride and self-exaltation. And so in verse 4, they say, let us make a tower with its top in the heavens. Let's ascend to God self-deification, and make a name for ourselves. And this is what the uh, Jesus Storybook Bible says. It's a great way of putting it. Um, we will say, look at us up here, and everyone will look up at us, and we will look down on them, 
And then we will know that we are something and we will be famous and safe and happy. So part of the, the pleasure of being in a city is so that everyone will look up to us and then we can look down on them and that will make us safe and famous and happy. And it all comes out of insecurity, the fear of being dispersed and scattered and not having a name. And so uh, if you think about yourself, I hope that you've already been applying this to yourself, but just think about the ways that you try to make a name for yourself out of insecurity. It's always out of insecurity. So like a midlife crisis, that's why they call it a midlife crisis, because you're feeling insecure. You're feeling like you don't necessarily have a lot longer to live or you see death on the horizon or you're feeling like you're losing your intelligence or your beauty or your earning power. Uh, What have I done with my life? Who am I now? And you buy a sports car. Best case scenario, you have an affair. Worst case scenario. And you say to yourself, maybe I will feel important now. Um, You know, maybe somebody's going to notice me now that I have uh, fought off the insecurity. That's making a name for yourself. Or, you know, to fight off the fact that you feel uncool and awkward and left out and unimportant, you, you say to yourself, well, I'll read my books and I'll get my A's and I'll listen to my edgy music and watch my art films and then I will make a name for myself. Generally, trying to make a name for yourself comes out of insecurity. And it's kind of pathetic uh, how little it takes for us to achieve this. Um, Someone just has to flirt with you a little bit and you'll feel like you've kind of made a name for yourself for a second there. Or they compliment your library or they admire your children or your yard or your food. And just for a moment there, you feel like you've kind of made a name for yourself. My best friend from seminary um, wrote a book that did very, very well, very successful book. And I thought, um, if only I could do that, you know, if only I could write a book like that, then I'd be something. I'd really be something. Then I would make a name for myself. But, uh, you know, even Tim Keller, who's my favorite living author and very, very famous, but all of his books combined, you know, add up to almost, almost no one in the USA really knows who Tim Keller is. You know, if you had, if a survey, I don't know, 10% of Americans, maybe, maybe less would have heard of him. And to me, that would be like the ultimate thing to become like Tim Keller. And the rest of the world, like it's literally almost no one. And in all of world history, it's almost no one at all. He'll be forgotten in, you know, how many years. But the point being, no matter what you think you can do to make a name for yourself, it's a very small tower. It's a a pathetic little tower. And and yet we say, again, this is the Jesus Torah Bible. Look, they cheered. See what we can do with our very own hands. They were quite pleased with themselves. And yet they're just as naked and ashamed as Adam and Eve. Um, they are trying to clothe themselves with their kind of fig leaf achievements. A really sad example in the Bible of someone trying to make a name for themselves is Absalom, the son of David. And at the end of his life in 2 Samuel 18, it says they threw Absalom in a pit after they killed him. And Absalom in his lifetime had set up for himself a pillar in the king's valley after his own name. And it juxtaposes the fact that he had this, uh, this man who would try to make a name for himself is thrown in this pit right near this place where he had erected this huge stone with his name on it. Just showing that his attempt to make a name comes to nothing. So your attempt to make a name for yourself really will come to nothing. Uh, we will all try that experiment again and again and again. And again and again and again, God will bring it to ruin. He will scatter it. Like a house of cards, he will just knock it down, which is good for us. And that's the second point. God makes a name for us. And to do that, he has to first knock down our tower. He has to um, scatter our tower. I think verse 5 
is one of those moments of uh, biblical humor that are very understated, where you don't necessarily see it uh, at first. But notice it says, The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. Now remember, they said, let's make a name for ourselves and build a tower that reaches to the heavens. And yet God is like, what, what is that little thing they're doing down there? You know, do I, do I notice, any, is there some kind of construction project going down? Um, he can barely even see the thing that they think has reached to the heavens. And so it says he had to come down and see. He says in verse seven, come, let us go down there. Like this uh, building inspector, you know, he's got to try to um, analyze this little tiny thing that they're making. Uh, and I think that the let us go see is to let's go see how self-destructive and uh, terrible their little project is. And then in verse uh, six, you see the rationale for why he scatters their tower. It says, this is the only the beginning of what they will do and nothing that they propose to do from now on will be impossible for them. Now you could read that as he's threatened, um, like he's nervous and, and scared. Oh no, they might take over the world. Uh, nothing they propose to do will be impossible for them. But that's not the point at all. Um, it's more like a wife pouring out her husband's alcohol and alcoholic husband's uh, liquor down the toilet. Uh, that God is saying, if they kept on doing what they're doing now, they would destroy themselves. That's exactly what the Storybook Bible says. If they kept on like this, they would only destroy themselves. They might, they might think that they can control all of life. Um, they might start to think that uh, they can make themselves whatever they want to be, which is what um, Carl Truman calls the plastic self, which is this idea, uh, to quote Truman, he says, to make and remake our personal identity at will. You know, where we get to the point where potentially we're imagining programming our children's you know, IQ or eye color or their gender uh, or deleting things that are uh, not something we want. But that's the kind of, that's what God is saying. That, that cannot happen. We've got to go down there and scramble this nightmare that they're creating for themselves. That they, they, nothing will be impossible for them. So let us go down and confuse their language, verse 7. And um, even as he tears down their building project, uh, he's already beginning to, with his other hand, as he tears this down, to, to build them back up better uh, by, by making a name for them. Because um, what Rob didn't read between uh, Genesis 11, 1 through 9, and then the last verses, 29 and 30, what he didn't read about was the, um, the scattering. And it, and it goes through the tragedy of all the nations being scattered out. It goes through all these different nations and the, the generations of people. And the world just became confused. They couldn't communicate anymore. They were scattered and they spread out over the earth and uh, didn't know how to communicate and so it goes through this thing that uh, scholars call the table of nations, where it goes through all these different nations in Genesis 11, um, 10 through 28. And it shows the scattering effects of what happens when God tears down the tower, all these different tribes and people, until at the very bottom, uh, you get to one very insignificant name. And it, God intentionally makes it kind of the least significant name in that culture, which is... Uh, Sarai, the last uh, verse there that Rob read, verse 30, now Sarai was barren and she had no child, which would have been literally like the bottom of the barrel in the ancient Near East, a woman uh, who was old and was barren. And so, um, and she's single, Sarai. 
So this is, uh, it comes down, the table of nations ends with Sarai. And it's kind of like the dead end of the human race. Where, where is the human race going to go? Uh, this woman has absolutely no chance to make a name for herself. She would have been the, the last person in their society that could have made a name for herself. It's like a family that's at a dead end. But of course, that is the one that God always chooses, is, uh, is the one that is in that kind of crisis. And so he comes to Sarai and to her eventual husband, Abraham. And uh, in the next chapter, actually almost the next verse, Genesis 12, 2. It's too bad there's a chapter break in there. They didn't, the, the original writers didn't put in chapter breaks. Unfortunately, it puts the chapter break in there. But really, it goes right from Sarai barren to the next, almost the next thing it says is God comes to that family and God says to that family, I will make a name from you. I will make a great name. Abram and Sarah, I am going to use you. And it says that all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So it's not just to make a name for them. It's also, it's a republishing, they say, uh, is what the theologians call it, a republication of the creation mandate. Once again, he's saying, I'm going to kind of start over again and I'm going to spread my glory and my creativity out from you now, Abram and Sarah. And uh, even though you're very old and don't have a child and doesn't look like you could possibly have a child, I'm going to start with you two and I'm going to bless the entire world through you. So I'm going to start kind of over again and I'm going to make you a kingdom of people uh, among this whole scattered table of nations. You two, this one little couple. I'm going to start with you almost like Adam and Eve over again and I'm going to bless the whole world through you. I'm going to spread my glory around the planet through your people, through Israel, which is spread out now into the church. Um, From those two people, he's going to make their uh, descendants like all the stars in the sky and all the sand on the seashores. But instead of them saying, we're going to make a great name for ourselves, God is saying, I'm going to make the name for you. And so you will spread out uh, with me as the one making your name great. And you will always know that there was nothing there, uh, that, that you had nothing to go on, that you were at a total dead end. And this is what the, uh, the Storybook Bible says. However high they reached or hard they tried, they didn't need a staircase to reach to heaven. They needed a rescuer to swoop down and lift them up. He comes down where we tried to go up and he swoops down like a rescuer and he lifts us up. He tears down our building project. We scatter to the ground and he comes down. And I always think of... Uh, my favorite swooping down scene in any movie is, of course, from the Lord of the Rings and, the, and the, was in The Hobbit, where those, uh, those giant eagles come down. You know, they have, the hobbits have climbed as high as they can to the very top of the tree, and they cannot go any higher, and they're at a dead end. They're totally stuck, and they're on fire. The trees are on fire, and the wolves are, are at the, the base of the trees with the orcs riding them, ready to kill them when they fall out of the tree. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, these giant eagles come swooping in, and they lift them up, and they take them away. And thousands of years later... Uh, God comes down again. He says, come, let us go down there. This is thousands of years later. And he comes down again, but he doesn't confuse our language this time. Uh, he, he unifies our language. And, and every, every single commentary on the, the story of the, of, of the miracle of Pentecost always tells you this is a, this is a redo of Babel. This is like Babel 2.0. But in this case... God is coming down and he is making the name for them and he's lifting them up and he's making them able to talk to each other miraculously. So let me read the, just one little quote from that story of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2 verse 6. 
This is when Christ has died and he has resurrected and now he has ascended on high and he reigns from on high and he says, I'm going to send my spirit and the spirit's going to come down and he's going to make you a people that will spread my blessings around the world. And it says the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each of them was hearing the other speak in their own language. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and Mesopotamians and Judeans and Cappadocians and Asians and Phrygians, Pamphylians and Egyptians and Libyans and Romans and Cretans and Arabians. He kind of goes back to the table of nations and he says now instead of being confused, they're being brought together by this miracle because although they're speaking their, their, their own language, like I would be speaking English, somebody might be speaking Spanish, Italian, and, and German, and yet they, we can all hear each other. So it's not they learned a new language. They, they're speaking their language. They can somehow understand each other for this moment of miracle where the Holy Spirit is there. And it says, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. The mighty works of God, which is God's rescue plan. So God comes down, and where we try to make a name for ourselves, he makes a name. Remember, we love these rascals.